Welcome to Chasing Possible, a podcast where I sit down with ReliQuest founder and CEO, Brian Murphy. And as we go through the story of ReliQuest history, each episode is designed to give you a look into the mindset we've relied on to make security possible. Now let's go get it. Hey, welcome back. And we're jumping right back into the journey of ReliQuest through the crash of 2008. And we'll continue to talk through how Murph and ReliQuest eight other employees made it through a lean Q1 and Q2 of 2009. I kind of just want to step back real quick on September 15th happens, right? There's a couple months there where you're staring at a wall, not sure like how, how it's going to go. Like, and I know we mentioned in the, in the first episode where there were times where family out of love was telling you like, Hey Murph, like, you should quit. Like, is this one of those times or was it like, what was, I, I guess, did anyone come along? Like, were you thinking I can't do this ever? Uh, or, or people saying like, Hey, it's okay. Like markets crashed. Wasn't your fault. Right. Did, did you ever hear those types of things? All the time. I mean, uh, both my brothers, uh, my dad, um, you know, Renee never did. Um, you know, when I asked Renee, I, we talked about, I said, man, you must really, hating me back then. She said, no, I just wish you'd be nicer. Cause I was just under so much, you know, yeah. pressure. I was never present. Um, friends, college friends, even people I hadn't talked to in a long time, um, where it would come out of the woodwork and, uh, and look, it wasn't getting better. Like we had Renee had a leased car from when we were dating this Nissan Murano and the lease was coming up. And so I was facing that of like, how do you get a new car? in early 29 to early 2009 with no credit. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in debt. I've never missed a payment. So I've never missed, I've never been late and, and, and well late that they recorded it and missed a payment um, on anything, man. I knew the American express phone number by heart. Cause like they would be calling wanting to check on the status of the payment. So that's how much pressure you're on under. Right. Yeah. But for me, everybody was, and they, and, and I understood it. I mean, you know, it was out of caring, but you know, one of my brothers just telling me like, Hey man, no one's gonna, no one's gonna blame you. This is the worst thing that's happened. And it's the second worst economic crash in the history of the United States. Right. So, um, so no, that, that happened a lot, but I'll tell you, um, my father wrote me an email and it's funny to watch my dad do this with my daughter. Now my dad is, big, tough guy, always done manual labor, always, always done, you know, his diesel mechanic has always busted his ass to get to where he is. He's extremely intelligent guy and started from the bottom, right. And had to climb his way up. And, and you don't, when you look, when you look at him, you see this guy that looks like he's been in a lot of street fights and, 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 and as you know, lived hard and worked hard. Um, but you don't realize like he's actually, you know, pretty got a big heart and, and he's a great dad and loves his family, but he's really good sitting down and just writing out things. And he wrote me this email in uh, January of 2007 or 2008. So he just come through the Christmas holidays with us and came down to see Devin, him, my mom, and just wrote me this thing about what it was like to watch me growing up and, you know, Mm -hmm. the grit that I had and what he's always appreciated and that he just appreciates where I am now. And don't forget my family, because I think he was seeing the pressure I was under those holidays. I was starting to kind of lean away and get quiet and and not talk as much. And so um, so it's funny, though, that email was the reason when those other people were telling me I needed to stop is the reason I didn't. 
Um, oh, and, wow. and, and the reason was I didn't know how to come home and tell Renee, like, I didn't do it. I mean, that's your wife, right? Um, right. I have a provider mentality. It's what drives me. And like, I've got a three now, four year old daughter and a newborn son. How am I, how are you going to, you know, what am I going to go to my wife, you know, two months before she gives birth and tell her I failed surprise. I'm going to go back and figure out a job in the middle of the worst economy ever. So think right. about it. Like, well, 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 nobody was hiring. Right. And so for me, it's that old, like going on a bear hunt, can't go over it, can't yeah. go under it. I got to go through it. Cause there was no guarantee that I was just going to pop over and be successful somewhere else. And so, you know, I think two things helped me is with those conversations of people that care for me is, you know, not knowing how to quit. Like I did a mm. sprint or I did an Olympic distance triathlon, uh, that, uh, that October without training and just did it because I didn't want to stop in the middle and have to come back and tell Elliot and the other people that I didn't finish. And I couldn't bear to see my wife, see me quit or my friends that were doing the triathlon with me quit. So I just got it out. It wasn't pretty, but I finished. <laughs> and so to me, like I say, it's like, it's not about, that's where the no show dogs thing come from. Like, it's mm. like, we're hunting dogs. You're going to find a way to win. But so there's a lot of forces that kept me going. Um, and I would just kind of think every day when I got home, did I do everything that I could today to survive? And my hope, I was kind of lying to myself. My hope is I'd always find one thing I should have done a little bit differently. I'm like, well, you know what, then? I'm going to give it one more day. I'm going to try that tomorrow. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then you start getting, as I talked about in the last episode, pretty dark. Like, what are you, you know, what, what's, what's the worst possible scenario and the stuff that you get in your head that you're willing to do is, 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 is pretty dark. And I, I think I'm still probably impacted by those things today. Hmm. That's uh, thanks for sharing all that. And I love to hear how, like where some of our sayings come from. Right. And it's like, it's so great to hear the context and the story behind it. Right. Like, like how do we beat giants? Right. We've got to be willing to do the things that others aren't willing to do. Right. Make those calls, send out international calling cards. It's Facebook at 4 a.m. Right. It's those types of things. And and no show dogs. Right. Where does that come from? So uh, I think it's always important to hear those types of stories because then it's not just it's not something that's made up. Right. It's something that was earned. It's something that happened that. Uh, something beautiful came from it, right? That that kind of drives the mindset of, of of what we're trying to do going forward, right? It comes from a real place and a real place of like challenge and a real place of creativity and a real place of, of persistence, right? Like that's where it comes from, right? A real place of sweat and even doubt and being unsure, right? It, it comes from a, a place that has teeth. And I think that's, uh, I just think that's awesome to hear. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, it's uh it's, it's strange to kind of step back through that. And, you know, in the middle of this before the fallout too, as we had moved, um, we were only in that one office space for six months. So we moved two more times and going into 2009, we were going into this bigger space over the top of a restaurant. Um, there's a picture of a Bella's Italian restaurant, the office space in the yeah. Tempest in the, the Harbor Island office, but, uh, just had to keep moving forward, man. Um, and, you know, it's all about just some people standing next to us. Right. And we had yeah. some, some people on the team that stayed on the team and some people on the team. It just, it wasn't worth it. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. That was the right answer for them. I just really appreciate the people that, that stayed and it was right. So those yeah. were the, 
that was the grind. 2008 was a grind year. 2009 that we'll talk about next time was just as brutal. Um, and yeah, it yeah. really didn't, that market and economy people don't realize didn't really start to loosen up until 10, 2010. So, um, wow. but I personally really appreciate the time. Uh, you know, most people look at it and say it's a dumb move to be starting a company when the market's melting down. I disagree. I had to run the business like a business. I mean, there was no difference between my checking account and the ReliQuest account. It was just if, you know, whoever had the last $10 that was going to payroll. Uh, and even, you know, Parker as a newborn into the early parts of 2009, it was, it was a regular occurrence at least twice a month where Renee would call me with a full uh, cart of groceries at Publix and the credit card wouldn't work. The debit card wouldn't work. She had no way to buy food. Wow. It'd be formula. She's holding Devin's hand next to the cart and Parker's a baby in the carrier on top of it. And, uh, she's amazing. She, she would just, um, uh, you know, just say, Hey, well, let me know when there's going to be money and I'll come back and buy this stuff. So, uh, and it was always, you're always like six, eight hours away from getting the next check. It was, it's hard to explain. Um, wow. it's, it's strange. Yeah. So let's talk about 2009, right? So let's, let's just kind of go through it. Like Coming out of, I mean, I'm still in the middle of it, actually, probably, right? This, yeah. this economic collapse. So, like, like what's happening in 2009 now? Um, are we still at eight employees? Is that where we're at? Like, like where are we growing? What are we doing now? We're at eight. Um, you know, we come into 2009, and some of that initial success, being a sub to a sub to a sub, like that program ended. So, we, we filled our kind of eight or ten spots, and then we weren't really sure that another one was going to happen. And, uh, Elliot, uh, always has done a good job of his, of research, right? We used to, we used to call him, we used to say Elliot would get really creepy and try to figure out like <laughs> who else had the billets. And, uh, yeah. and he did all this research. Uh, we were working for a company called data path. It's no longer, it got acquired and he figured out another company in Brandon that did the same thing and just badgered this guy that we still know today is a great guy um, uh, to have a meeting. And that guy got us 10 more. And, and so now we had two customers. And so, yeah. but they were pretty small at the time. Um, and they, that's all the work that they had. So that kind of got us through the first two quarters. But, you know, I had to, the problem with when you get in, a locker room like that, when it's high pressure and you're starting an early business, you know, you got to start building that camaraderie and belief. And when people start to get down on themselves and feeling that pressure, you say it, DMAC, you know, how do people react to pressure, right? So if you squeeze yeah. an orange, orange juice comes out. Well, yeah. when people start to get squeezed, how do they handle it? And it's not their fault. It's my fault. Um, you know, it's, it's my company and, and we weren't knocking out of the park and they were under a lot of pressure. And so I had to have some tough conversation with the people that I still know today and care about today of like, Hey, probably, probably time for you to go and do something else. And so we backfilled a couple of people. We hired a lot of the wrong people. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes in hiring and that's when I started to really learn there's different stages of a business for everybody. So oh, today I'm, I'm cautious when we hire somebody out of like a really big company that doesn't grow much a year, one, two, four, five 5%. And they like the idea of a company that grows at 60, 70, 80% a year. Um, I'm really skeptical of that because I know it takes a different mentality um, to be able to keep up with just the pace of decision-making and yeah. the lack of infrastructure that we have. And so that's where a lot of those, 
you learn those lessons early. Right. Um, and so 2009 was pretty lean through Q1, Q2. Uh, Renee's car had to be turned back in. And uh, one of the most humbling experiences of my life was um, <laughs> I was searching online. I think we had two grand in cash between the company account and our personal account. Again, we're waiting on checks. I need a way to get to... Uh, the office and Renee was driving my car with the kids at the time and she was still working as a speech therapist. And so we were juggling. Um, she came home when Parker was born and would work weekends. Um, mm. and I'd, I'd be with the kids. And so, um, I found, I scoured the internet. I found this Cadillac 1999 Cadillac STS, uh, low mileage body was in perfect condition. Um, I used to tell, Ellet and the team like this thing's a beaut. And uh, so I go, it's on sale for like 800 bucks. Now I am not in my right mind, right? I am, <laughs> I am under right. so much pressure. I can't tell you what day of the week it is. You know, I'm not sleeping. Uh, I'm not eating. Like it's, you're all in right. And it's, yeah. and so you're not thinking straight. So why would a car, that runs perfectly and looks okay, be for sale for 800 bucks. And this is where, um, and this dealership still exists and they're on my, uh, they're on my list for a long time. Um, okay. and, uh, and cause I think it's just totally unethical, but I yeah. showed up, I took a test drive. I didn't ask any questions like the AC wasn't working great. Oh, we just, you know, the engine needs to warm up. I'm just delusional, right? Um, delirious. So I bought this car give them cash. So I'm down to $1,200 total between two accounts. Well, tax would probably a little less had to buy the plate. And, um, on the way home, like I'm not two miles from that dealership and the engine overheats and I'm stuck in the middle of uh Dale Mabry highway. Oh my gosh. And I'm calling this guy. I, you know, I, it cools down a little bit. I get it into a McDonald's parking lot and I'm in a rent. And the first thing he says to me is like, Hey, off sales are final. And I, I, I just said, man, when X, Y, Z name and family started this dealership, did they start it with their promise of the customer being all sales are final? I didn't make it two miles from the dealership and this thing broke down and you sold that. And so, you know, he had a tow truck come get it and, uh, they, they made it work enough. Yeah. Um, and the Freon had a leak. It leaked oil. It had all kinds of things. When it rained, the trunk would 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 leak, and then um, the, through the roof it would leak. So it was always moist and always rains in Florida. And so um, I found a guy over by the stadium. Our attorney, he's still one of our outside counsels today, Noel Bokey with Holland tonight. He always bought these old cars and restored them. So he had a guy over by the stadium in not a great neighborhood that would illegally recharge my Freon for twenty bucks. And so if I went. <laughs> Every six days, I'd have cold-ish air in the yeah. middle of summer as we're driving around begging for business. And uh, and then it would break down all the time because it I, I thought it was just oil, but it was leaking gas, apparently. And so you could never trust the gas gauge because oh. that never worked. Yeah. I found that out after it just died, and I'm like, I wasn't paying attention. And so Elliot would put a gas can in his Jeep and keep it full. And there's probably six or eight times... Um, that he would have to just come meet me in the middle of the street, 
pour some gas in the tank and get me to a gas station. And so that's 2009, man. I mean, it's, it's real. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still like, like there's no handing out great swag and, and uh, (laughs) those, those, in fact, you'll laugh. There's this technology organization that I, it, it, it eventually in like 2011, 12 was going bankrupt. And I step in as a chair and turn it around and it still exists today. Um, but at the time we were nobody and we pulled up to this networking event on Harbor Island. So where our office is, the yeah. networking event was at Jackson's pull into the parking garage today where all of our employees park and we own, mo- we control most of the building and we had to sit in the car. Elliot and I did because the car had so many like bad fumes coming out the back and everybody, the networking event was walking past the car. So we were literally like ducked down in the seat, <laughs> just the smoke billowing yeah. from, yeah. from the engine. I mean, it was like uncle buck. If you've seen that scene, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. backfiring and stuff. So the humility of it, man, I mean, you, you just, um, but you had to get out of that car and you know i would always say like hey we're we're never gonna be bigger than we think we are right now and and you couldn't go in i never wanted to be that small business owner that begged for business i never i never wanted to do it i never wanted to look like i needed it and we always kept our heads up in that way and you know nights and weekends is where i would really uh you know beat myself up uh for a lot of years and and uh another funny story is um I'm meeting at the center club, which is this like horrible club that people join and you go eat breakfast there and they bring in speakers and it's like a networking thing. Um, I joined this center club, uh, and I had a meeting there. So I go to this meeting and it's, um, it's actually the building on the corner of Kennedy and West shore. So it's just, it's just right next to where we are today. It's that side road you take to get to our offices, uh, on Tampa West. And, um, there's a light there, light turns green. I go to take a left. I'm going to meet a potential customer, a prospect. Now I knew the guy um, from a past life and he had, you know, said, Hey Murph, I think you can help us with some stuff. And I go to take this left and this lady just runs a red light. Now I'm in my 1999 Cadillac STS and this thing, this thing is prime mint condition on the outside. And she hits my um, front, passenger quarter panel and like spins me around and she gets out it's your fault it's your fault she's in like a beat up civic and i'm like if you ever seen the movie michael douglas that he has falling down like i I, it was i was it i was it it was one of the lowest points ever right and so Mm. um and uh so this thing uh, this lady's yelling at me and i and some people will have heard have heard me say this before it's why i don't tend to lose my temper a lot in like stupid situations like that. It's why the Will Smith thing to me seems crazy um, is I just thought, you know what? Like this is 20 seconds of my wife of my life, right? This is, this is 20 seconds of my life. This is that person's whole life. Like they got to deal with this kind of behavior Mm. the whole time. I just got my car and drove away um, and didn't stay and get the insurance. Like, what are they going to fix the car? Um, And so, Right. I pull up to this meeting late. I called the guy, told him I just got in an accident and we were going to go to lunch and we walk out and I'm like, Hey, do you mind driving? Uh, and he's like, no problem. And he looks over. And I really do appreciate the guy. Uh, he looks over and he's like, looks at the car and all the fluids were coming out of it. So, oh, you know, no. there's a hole in like the windshield wiper fluid. 
Um, there's just all kinds of stuff <laughs> leaking in the parking lot of this customer. And he looked at me and he's like, Hey man, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, no, it's just a front quarter. No, no, I mean like in life, like, are you, are you going to survive this? So not only are my parents telling me to quit and my brother's telling me to quit and my friends tell me, but now I got this guy that I have a good relationship with, but he's getting ready to give me business. And I'm like, look, man, I mean, this is a mint of a car. It just got in a bad collection. I mean, it was fine. Like I didn't tell him that the gas gauge doesn't work. It leaks oil <laughs> and gas. And I got to recharge the Freon because I'm driving around in a suit. Right. So, um, so that was pretty humbling, um, but we got the work. Yeah. But we, 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 we got That's the it. work and that was another good customer that we built on. And, and so you started to have a little bit of these wins and then, um, that, customer that Ellet went and cold call and found got awarded this massive air force contract and uh we had called them in august and they said we have no more work for you so here i am like how am i going to make payments and i picked up this new customer they called us back i mean it's like divine intervention a week later and said hey we were just awarded this massive contract can you help us build a team of 50 people in one week and they're all jump Ooh. balls, but we'll guarantee you 15 of them. And so uh, there was, I don't know, eight of us. And we worked nights, weekends. Uh, I mean, slept at the office a couple times. Um, and we filled out of the 50, we filled 38. Like we knocked the cover off the ball, right? Someone yeah. gave us an opportunity. Somebody opened the door. And we were going to jam our foot in that door and it never closed again. And that was really the beginning of a pop where we started to see, you know, mm. that was the first time that we got a check in the mail for accounts receivable paid. That was a hundred grand. I brought that check home and showed it to Renee. It was one of the proudest moments of me being an That's entrepreneur. Cool. And so we get into the fall. This is another funny story. Um, Wait, so just hold it real quick. Yeah. So that was that was August 2009, correct? Uh, by the time we had filled it and everything, we're like October 1. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So October, and so roughly almost two years, right? Yeah. Almost two years since you began where you're like, oh, here, here's a pop, right? Like, oh, hey, look what I got, right? So two years of, I mean, this is what I think about, right? I mean, we're going through it in minutes, right? Yeah. But two years of not being sure, right? Doubt, pressure, yeah, finding ways to make it work, car accidents, illegal freon, right? I mean, it's like like doing whatever. I mean, it's fascinating to me. Um, again, because we're going through it in minutes, and I, I just there's there's so much there that that I think um, that, that there's just so much to appreciate on the journey, the courage, the determination the toughness, right? Just the willingness. And, and I love what you said, you just, you don't know how to quit, right? You don't yeah. know how to quit. Like, and I think there's just so much value in that and that. Um, and, and it got, kind of goes back to what we talked about originally. It's like this mindset around possible, right? If, if you're chasing possible, quit, quit and possible, I don't think can coexist, right? I, I don't, yeah. I don't think they can exist and or coexist. And so I just, I just wanted to highlight that before we get into like the fall of, of 2009 of just like, like just really appreciate like everything that went into this moment.